Welcome to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. Each week we meet a new guest and learn their story, all the highs and lows, triumphs and disasters they've faced and how they got through to the other side. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk. I'm this week's host, Michael Northcott, and I spoke with Giles Fuchs, owner of the iconic Bear Island Hotel. We spoke about how it has been brought up to date with renovations, the new hotel-like staff accommodation that's just opened, and how it's intended to attract and retain staff in a tough recruitment environment, and why Giles feels it's time to sell and get back to full-time on his existing service office business. Hi there, Giles. Thanks for uh, being with us today. Uh, afternoon. Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so, Giles, I think for an audience of hoteliers, uh, you're, you'll be best known for Bear Island, um, which is this fabulous property uh, on an island, literally on an island uh, that in, uh, sort of inspired Agatha Christie novels and Art Deco uh, property. Uh, but it's for sale. It is for sale. Um, so uh, it would be great to get a, a sense from you of uh, sort of what the journey was that uh, has led up to that moment and perhaps to tell listeners a little bit about your time as, as uh, the owner and then and then up to why, why we're selling and, and what's, what the plan is there. Well, uh, my introduction to Burr Island was uh, slightly extraordinary, I'd say. Um, I wasn't planning to buy an island or indeed a hotel at that time. I had uh, been interviewed about my spectacular lack of A-levels, uh, just as the A-levels were about to come out, the results, and uh, they wanted to know that it's going to be all be okay if you don't get your A-levels. And from uh, from that, a chap phoned me. Um, it, it, I should say it was Charles Fuchs, Thicky Fuchs, did well. And from the back of that, a chap called me thinking I might be an investor in something he might be doing. So we had a coffee and he showed me a picture of Burr Island. And um, I'm sad to say, or um, disappointed in myself to say, that I'd never actually heard of it. And he showed me this picture of this beautiful island um, in Devon, in South Hams. And uh, I fell in love immediately. And then uh, he told me he was buying it. And uh, that was very exciting. But of course, I couldn't buy it because he was fully funded. Anyway, I now realise he was winding me in. And a week later, he phoned and said his funding had fallen out of bed. And would I be interested in buying it? And um, the words that came out of my mouth was, "Yes, of course." <laughs> so, so how, how long ago was this then? That was 2017. Yeah, sometime. I then mystery shopped it with my sister, um, and it um, the, the, the service at that time, and indeed the fabric of the building needed work. And um, as we might talk about later, I am in the service industry anyway. And so um, we basically shopped it. We loved it. We thought we could do something with it. Um, and some months later, we had bought it. So t- tell us a bit about the uh, site, this sort of type of property it is and how, how many rooms, what sort of what sort of a size of an enterprise is it? Well, a lot of your listeners will know about it. Of course, it is iconic. It's on a 27-acre uh, uh, island which is a few hundred meters off the coast of devon uh it's a causeway island which means the tide goes in and out twice a day so you can walk to it uh twice a day sometimes that means walking in the middle of the night but you can get to it twice a day and we have a sea tractor i ought to tell you one of the very few in the world that when the tide is in 
And as long as the wind isn't too high, then we can drive you across through the surf, which is something wow. everyone should do at least once in their life. Well, probably twice because you've got to get off the island as well, I guess. Um, so it's an amazing island. Um, it has a huge amount of history. Uh, there are all sorts of rumours about its past. It also has a very famous pub on it called the Pilchard Inn, which we also own, um, built in 1396. Um, some people's idea of date do change. Uh, but roughly about then, it's one of the oldest pubs in England, Smuggler's Pub. And um, there's also a cabin, a beach house, that famously Agatha Christie wrote some of her books, uh, Evil Under the Sun, and then there were none. Um, and had inspiration, no doubt, for many others, which is very exciting. But back in 1880s, uh, a music hall um, artist uh, called Chergwin bought the island and he built a nine-bedroomed wooden house on it, which was a hotel. He got bored of that and he sold it to a Playboy film producer called Nettlefold of GKN fame, guest mm. Keen Nettlefold, still around company, but he was a Playboy son of Nettlefold Sr., and he built himself a house. I don't know how much of this you guys know, but he built himself a, a house in 1929 uh, to all the modern conscripts, including one of the first uses of concrete to build. And, mm. um, and after a while, all his mates, uh, Noel Coward et al., arrived and wouldn't leave. <laughs> so uh, they, he started charging them and it became a hotel. So, um, in terms of your the the work that's been done while you've owned it, what what's you said it sort of needed a bit of looking after? Can you give us a flavour of what what uh, what happened there to to improve it. Well, I'm going to say there probably isn't anything we haven't touched. Is that a double negative? Uh, we've touched everything. There you are. It's more positive. <laughs> um, roof, uh, crittle windows, as you can imagine, by the sea constantly need attention. Mm. Uh, the lift, the kitchen, um, the uh, the furniture. Uh, which all the antiques we've have refurbished. Um, we've also added that uh, we needed to put a modern bent in it because the beautiful Lloyd Loom um, um, chairs were ripping the beautiful silk dresses of uh, the girls going to the grand ballroom. Um, so furniture, um, we've added chandeliers into the great ballroom. Uh, all lots of all the mattresses were changed. I mean, the beds are Art Deco, as in the bathroom suite. So uh, we didn't really want to mess with those, but mattresses uh, and uh, everything that goes with uh, the bedrooms, um, obviously carpet. All these are the little things. Um, we've we then uh, we're just about to put in new sewage works, uh, plumbing, wiring. I'm pretty well. And we're not finished yet, but um, pretty well everything uh, about the building uh, in some part has been changed and updated. There, is there a specific aspect of the improvements that you're particularly proud of? Hmm. Uh, all of it. No, I don't have a favourite child. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, no, all of it. What do I like? I like the fact that what we, I, yes, is the answer actually now I think about it, is... Um, because it's, we've got about 10,000 returning, is that right? That sounds a bit over-egged. Maybe 5,000 returning guests each year. Mm -hmm. um, and they have bought into the Art Deco story. We have one of the largest collections of Art Deco artefacts and antiques in the country, which mm -hmm. you believe is it's just bonkers. So they, when we bought it, we were very concerned that we might turn it into a, you know, just a normal five-star hotel. Uh, so we had to tread that very narrow line between... Uh, leaving it as it was 
and uh, make uh, upgrading it to modern. So what I am very pleased on it, we managed to do that. We did, however, well, out of all those guests, we had one upset guest, and they stayed in uh, the Bentley Suite. That's where they always stayed, um, probably because Mr. Bentley stayed there at some stage, I'm guessing. And um, my designer, I mean, what got into her, I don't know. But my designer, rather than putting Art Deco uh, cornicing in the room, had put Georgian cornicing in the room okay that's a, a cornicing faux pas it was a cornicing faux pas <laughs> i mean obviously she should have known that uh, and the other thing she did uh, is because people like to come and they sometimes bring their child with them and so in the sitting room part of the suite she put um, a camp uh, not a camp bed a sofa bed mm. so it was a sofa but um apparently they didn't have sofa beds in 1932 three four uh but the guest was very upset and cried I see. Yeah, and couldn't stay in that room any longer. And, you know, I feel for her. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, <laughs> no sniggering on my left. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, well, I, I, my next question was going to be, what are some unexpected challenges you face? But that's, that sounds like a, the, the, a, a sort of fairly good example. Yes. Um, it, it, I'm not, I mean, it's about being an owner of a hotel. I'm not the owner of a hotel. I'm the custodian of an island and a hotel and a pub. Yeah. It, you don't own something like this. It's owned by the people who go there. Yeah. And um, and as long as you recognise that and you were just managing um, the island, the asset, uh, then you're probably okay. But in terms of some of the obvious difficulties of being on an island, well, we have a 1,000 miles of Atlantic Ocean coming to hit us every day. And in the wind, can you imagine the wind uh, and the storms and the mm. waves and what that does to your, well, we've talked about metal windows, your windows, mm. uh, but all parts of, of your hotel and your cars. Mm. Um, so that's a challenge. <clears throat> when the tide is in um, and it's windy and we can't use the sea tractor, then getting staff on and off the island guests less so because they can wait mm. but staff need to be there for breakfast and dinner and uh, and they need to go home and go to bed and have a sleep and get up the next day mm. uh, so on and off the island um is interesting uh, i saw a text this morning from our concierge um i was asleep so i saw it when i woke up and you'll know why in a minute because it was five thirty in the morning and he was um texting his um colleague saying i've missed i've missed the opportunity to go on the island I won't see you till 11.30. <laughs> um, so, yeah, challenge. And um, what else? So and that goes along with the food, the oil, uh, electricity. Yeah. Um, so do you generate it on the island? Or? Well, we do. We're, yeah. we're all about sustainability. Yeah. Um, and we generate only 7%. 7% of electricity through a solar farm. Excellent. And we're, we'll come to it, but we're looking to put more on the on the roof, on the ceiling, on the roof. Um, which will will all help. So, um, just quickly with the tidal aspect. So the sea tractor can go at any time, can it? Or yes. do you get high spring tides and you can't go across at that moment? Or yeah, you could, you you'd be very wet. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, we we're very maritime. Yeah. So we got an eye to the weather and to the tides, and uh, yeah, springs are awkward, but we need them because we have a pool, and our pool is a natural pool which has been dammed. And we need to replenish that water every so often, and we need a very high spring tide to do that. So we need it, and we don't want it. So uh, the, the conflict. So um, 
this is a good moment to move uh, into your insights about hotel management in general. So um, what about the, uh, the sustainability side of things? Um, did, was that already a, a sort of feature of the way the hotel was being run or is that an initiative that came with your stewardship? Um, both. I think the previous owners were, were very conscious. So most of the wherever possible, the food comes within a very small area. Mm-hmm. And of course, we were in the sea, so seafood is definitely local. And wherever possible, beef, lamb, etc. Uh, I didn't put in the solar panels, so that was that was uh, the previous owner. So uh, very well done to them. We in our planning, uh, which no doubt we'll come to, we had uh, a professor of sustainability from Bristol University. I want to say. Sorry, Professor King, if I got that wrong. And he wrote a whole sustainability report on what we could and what we couldn't do. And we looked at everything from uh, creating electricity out of tidal change, current flow, uh, windmills, uh, turbines, beg your pardon. And, and this was ahead of you purchasing it? No, this is, well, in our, this is in our steward, stewardship Got it. Right. while yep. we were looking at our planning. Yeah. Um, realistically... Um, Apart from keeping your staff close, of course, which keeps our staff's carbon uh, footprint low, which we do. So we have staff housing on the island um, and we've just bought a hotel opposite, which hopefully you'll ask me about later, which we've just spent a million quid doing up for the staff so they can be local. Um, Apart from that, um, most of the stuff uh, was already done. So... You mentioned planning. What's what's uh, to tell us about that from 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 the beginning, as it were? Well, nothing has been nothing new has been built on the island since 1934, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a. Tw- you asked me earlier, but I didn't reply. Twenty-five suite hotel, so it's tiny, really, and um, they're notoriously. Although obviously we get a good day, a good rate per room, they're notoriously difficult to run economically because the cost of running twenty-five is the same as running forty, pretty well. Mm. Mm. So we've got planning, um, and thanks to the council and Bigbury Council and South Hams, uh, we, we got pretty well everything we asked for, and we got planning for a, another twelve bedrooms plus more staff accommodation, plus another restaurant plus bar plus two restaurants. I beg your pardon, plus bar. Some, um, so we got we we got quite a lot of um, new accommodation to be built. We've only just got that contract signed in november so we haven't started yet and we are deciding assuming we hold it what uh you know what we're going to start with so um these initiatives have they come from running the hotel for a number of years finding out where the sort of kinks are that need ironing out and kind of you know deciding how the business needs to develop from there or did you have these things in mind when you purchased the property in the first place Expand on initiatives. Well, so getting the planning permission to do do these these expansions to the building and and the facilities and so on. The chap who brought me the deal had thought those things through. Right. I uh, initially was just an investor, um, but then I wanted to be involved. So I've got very, very operationally involved. Um, So, we yes, we wrote up the planning together, having understood what did and didn't work. But the idea of getting more rooms, 
I think was in within his name was Duncan. Yeah, haven't mentioned his name yet. <laughs> was in Duncan's mind when he brought the deal to me. And so you mentioned uh, more staff accommodation. Is this to sort of help alleviate the problem of ferrying people back back and forth across the the water? Um, yes. Well, there are several. So one of the biggest challenges to our industry yeah. is staff. Yes. And accommodation uh, in the South Hams is very expensive, whether you're buying or whether you're renting. And beyond most waiters, um, um, housekeepers, uh, front of house. So that is always a problem. And our nearest town is Plymouth and Exeter. And that's a long way. It's an hour each way. Then you've got the tides. So that doesn't work that well. Senior management generally live in Plymouth, Exeter or around and, and villages around. But the juniors can't afford the time or the money. So we had staff accommodation, some in the hotel, some in the original Chergwin Hotel. And uh, we look, when we looked at our planning, we, we applied for planning on the island, which we got some, and we applied uh, on the mainland. But actually, we decided against the bill on the mainland because I bought an old hotel, which right. had most recently been a nursing home but was derelict. And um, someone had pl- tried to get planning for houses on it, which they could have done if they spent a bit more time uh, and energy and taken the locals along with them. But we rescued it, and now it's a 20-bed hotel full staff, and they wake up to a view of the island. Interesting. Uh, I know. It's at, and we had a massive sitting room. We've got table, table, table in there. They've got their own kitchen with um, dishwashers and fr- uh, fridges and... Uh, all the paraphernalia that goes with it. Um, so it is a very luxurious... The idea was to make it as luxurious a hotel. I don't think we've... It's different, let's put it that way. It's yeah. It doesn't have all the antiques. That's quite a, quite a rare priv- privilege, sort of work perk, if you like, to, to go with it, to go with um, a hotel staff, staffing job. What, what's the feedback been like from, from staff? Um, excellent. Yeah. Uh, amazing. I mean, it's going to encourage... Oh, we opened it only in December. Yeah. Um, uh it's there to encourage staff that are there to stay. Mm-hmm. It's also there to encourage staff to come and join us in the first place. And um, most hotels have some staff accommodation, but the idea of having this glorious house, I mean, the mm. building's worth a fortune. They're living in a multi-million pound beach house, basically. Uh, but the idea was to support the hotel. And, and uh, so far, that's exactly what it's doing. In fact, uh, the last three times I've been to the hotel, I have stayed in the staff accommodation just to check it out, see what it's like. And I can say it's very comfortable. And the showers are very powerful and the heating's good, good. and the kitchen <laughs> works. Yeah, it's very good. So um, with your sort of hotelier's hat on, um, it, obviously, so you've made a lot of improvements to the hotel. How, how did it differ? We'll come on to your the other parts of your career sort of up until purchasing the hotel in a moment. But the, uh, the experience of becoming a hotelier and, and and taking a deep dive into the challenges of running a place and and holding on to those 5,000 regulars that you mentioned you know what what are your reflections on um, on what it took to, what was the learning curve to, to kind of get good at that well unfortunately my uh, learning curve is very flat um, <laughs> I wish I'd met a hotelier before I'd bought it <laughs> uh, to explain the nuances and difficulties uh, yeah. of, of running a hotel. Um, obviously, I'm joking. It's been a fabulous experience, and I'm a better person for it. Um, but I think we, we've touched. Uh, what have I learned? What have I learned? Uh, managing a business uh, four hours away from your major business yep. is very difficult. 
Um, luckily, we've had a great management team down there. Um, but uh, what else have I learned? Uh, as much as I hadn't planned to be involved operationally, um, I am, I'm down there tomorrow morning for two, three days. Um, I go down most weeks. Uh, you have to, you have to, if you want it to be successful with a great ethos and culture, uh, you need to bring yourself to the party. Otherwise, you're going to run into trouble. And other times, early doors, when I didn't do that, we did run into problems. Um, what else did I learn? Um, it's a great place to have a holiday. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, so one of the reasons I bought it, just so I didn't learn this, it was a plan, was it was going to be our our family house, by see, our holiday house. Mm -hmm. And we were going to take it a couple of times a year, uh, one time a summer, one time a Christmas, uh, and have friends and family and party. Uh, and I have to say that, that worked really well, and we've done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, uh, but if you're going to work as hard as we do to make sure it works, uh, it's probably not as relaxing as one would hope one's own hotel is because there's always someone who'd like to talk to you. Um, I don't know if I tell you those stories, but I often <laughs> get an email from a guest uh, who uh, if I'm there and uh, they see on there, they email me. So I wonder if I can have a chat with you. Uh, something wasn't quite right or there was some dust in the um, in the uh, waste paper bin or something. Um, but, um, yes, I'm, I'm waffling on, aren't I? Um, I guess I didn't really, because we're going to come to my business. I didn't, uh, what did I learn? Well, I am a businessman, so I didn't learn that much about business. It's all about the people, mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, uh, in terms of Burr, I knew that it was an iconic building that would attract because it was running about 50 percent occupancy when we bought it we're now running uh, about 78 percent they were average their averages so uh -huh. include the shoulder months and the summer period but we're running about 78 percent uh we opened for our first january uh ever uh this gone january just gone 50 percent occupied which we were quite pleased with this february to this month we're at 70 percent occupied so uh we bought it because it was iconic uh and that proved to be right uh, the staff has been more difficult than I anticipated. The run, being a long way away has been more difficult. Uh, the success has been bigger than I anticipated and be, expect would be so full for so much of the year. Um, shall I stop there? Yeah, but perfect. <laughs> no, that's very good. So, so to put out, put, put, pull the tease out a couple of those points. The um, so what's the uh, secret to pushing up occupancy uh, in that way then? Because those those are double digit increases um, and oh, it's massive. A, a lot of hoteliers, I think, would be keen to know what the, what the magic sauce is. Um, I have to say that with Burr and maybe many of the hotels that uh, owners who are listening to this who probably are destination hotels or maybe a lot of them are otherwise they uh anyway a lot of them are um uh, it was just about telling the world about it mm. and um, we just had the most amazing if i'm honest about it the most amazing uh pr company called sapiens okay yeah. <laughs> give them a name che check who got us uh on amazing podcasts like yours, good, obviously. Good. Uh, but we're in uh, Tatler, we're in Harper's Bazaar, we've been on TV numerous times. Um, we've recently had gone fishing with there recently, as you may or may not know. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's really just telling the story. Uh, and we had a great story to tell, and it hadn't been told. Um, and they told it, and, and then people come. Mm. It sounds as though. Um, so my next question is going to be about your 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 main business before this, um, and uh, which is still going. Um, but just to say, you know, it sounds like you 
have discovered that you can't really do a hotel at arm's length, as it were. It's had to, to it's had to take up much more attention than perhaps you thought at first. Is that right? Exactly. Uh, I was looking for something else to do. Yeah, uh, but not this much. Yes, my I'm I'm in uh, um, hospitality. So my my main business is uh, serviced offices in London. Yes, we do have a couple in Cardiff and Northampton, but Northampton uh, in London, uh, and we own the buildings. We refurbish the buildings. And we occupy and we manage buildings and even have bedrooms and restaurants in some of our buildings that we run and, uh, and manage. So for me, it just looked like a natural progression. And we, the, the idea of serviced offices as hospitality is uh, a buzzword at the moment. Mm-hmm. But we've been making it hospitality for year, t- tens of years. Um, and so it wasn't a big jump to think it's going to be quite straightforward running a hotel. And uh, for anybody who's thinking of doing something similar, who might be in your your position, what uh, what advice would you would you give them? Make sure uh, it takes twice as long and twice as much money. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's the old adage, doesn't it? Uh, and make sure that you have the time to to give to the project. So, um, with your business in London, so to tell, just to, to give uh, readers a bit of listeners rather, as you can tell, we're, we're magazine journalists. So I'm talking, talking about readers on a podcast. Um, to give us give the uh, listeners a flavour of um, the, the the scope of the business that you're you, you're already running and and kind of how perhaps what lessons you've taken from that 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 worked with with the hotel. Um, yes, well, uh, just a quick post. My mother founded the service office industry in Northampton in 1979. We still have that building, but actually we're about to sell it. Um, and um, we, with serviced offices, it is our belief you have to either own the building or work in a joint venture with the building owner. Mm-hmm. We don't believe the lease model, the we work, the Regis. Well, that's unfair about Regis. They're doing a good job in terms of business. But uh, to have that break uh, through the cost of a lease mm. uh, makes the business... Um, only profitable if you are very very full the other thing about having a lease as opposed to owning um is that uh, towards the end of that lease you don't invest the money you need to invest in it to look after it um so the model is important and so the owner of the hotel we ditto um and because we own it we we uh, spend a lot of money looking after the building because it's our asset and that asset hopefully will go up in value over the years and uh, interestingly in our london uh, in our London buildings, every building is themed. So we don't, we're not a cookie cutter serviced mm-hmm. office. You don't, if you go, you were going to one of ours, you won't know if you go into another one of ours to give you an idea. So we have a Monopoly theme um, uh, in Liverpool Street, around the corner from where we are now. Uh, we have uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass theme in Waterloo. We have a super yacht theme um, in Monument. Um, Boy, you're going on all the themes, weren't I? Um, and uh, we have a happiness theme in Black Friday. So, uh, so designing a building that is interesting to be in uh, yeah. is very important to us, and that follows through, of course. Back yeah, and definitely. In terms some, of the hotel, definitely some parallels there. I, I think, yeah. yeah, in terms of how hoteliers think about their their properties, for sure. And going back to something that I've already said, which is nothing to do with any of that, uh, is we are very focused on the staff. And you said this is unusual to have such a wonderful building for staff. I guess it's natural for us because that is just because I happen to be sitting here having had an idea mm. uh, and saved some money to go and buy a hotel doesn't mean that I'm the most important person. I'm just one of the cogs in that huge wheel without when any one of those uh, people in the uh, in the machinery, then it doesn't work. 
So uh, in terms of a, uh, an economic view or a, uh, an industry analysis, if you like, of the state of the hotel market, you could, you could be pretty clued up on this now compared with, uh, say, five years ago. Or was it 2017, did you say? Oh, I but, bought it in uh, we ended up April 18. We bought it. I saw it first in 17, yeah. Fine. So sort of five, five, six, five six, six years. years. Yeah, six yeah. years, yeah. So w- what insights have you gleaned from the, from the market and how things are changing, what guests want, um, the makeup of guests, uh, the sort of profile of business versus leisure? What? Yes, as, a, as, a, as good a question as that is, um, the period of which I've owned it, which included two years of lockdown, mm. uh, staycation, uh, out to eat, uh, um, uh, all the pent up demand, uh, and now uh, people realizing that actually, and the sustainability uh, tickets become a big thing. So staying at home, even more so, has become a massive thing. I'm not sure how I can compare it to previously, if I'm honest. But the truth about any business is you need a great product that's priced at the right price and um and, th- and also i should also say i have a drink <laughs> called a gunner yes um and i, I just mentioned that as my uh, as my newest child and Co- cocktail it, it, well, it, yes uh, a lot of your listeners will know a gunner and have had drunk a gunner in a tennis club golf club sailing club uh in the middle east and it's it's a soft drink um it's um, ginger ale ginger beer angstrom bitter and lime mm-hmm. but never been registered um, for 100 years plus and so i registered and put in the tin but even so that has to be the right price and a great product uh, service offices right price right product mm. hotels right price right product we also have a cleaning company but so every everything is that's just business yep. so i didn't that's that transgresses any industry norm i think and um on the sustainability uh bit do you what are your thoughts on how the industry has embraced that philosophy in your time uh, as uh, owning Bear Island? Um, I What do I think about that? I think the key area that we probably and the industry need to improve is that uh, we need to continually, and some hotels will be listening going, well, of course we do that, and I'm absolutely sure they do. But we need to spend more time training our staff, uh, especially at the higher end, mm-hmm. certainly. Uh, and that is difficult because unlike the continent where it is a um, recognised industry and res- respected industry perhaps, I think it's much less respected here and therefore um, people aren't perhaps getting the pay or maybe they're not because we're not paying them. I don't know. But we need we need to spend more time training mm. uh, our staff and looking after them, which is, of course, we are doing in terms of... Uh, housing, feeding them, looking after them. Yeah, there is there is a talent attraction issue in this industry, isn't there? That's been sort of getting worse over time. Yes. Um, do you well, see? Can do I, you, I go quickly. Yeah, we're going to get political now. Yeah. <laughs> Nine point three million people in our working population aren't working. Would you believe? Right. When we wonder where they've all gone. So we we had this huge in the last five six years since I've been involved. Um, we have had obviously brexit yeah so a lot of europeans did go home uh we had a lot of government interaction help rather um for people and as the minimum wage goes up 
um, our minimum wage um, used to be, well, we used to be above the minimum wage. Mm. And so uh, people come to us because they could get more than minimum wage. But mm. now pretty well it is the minimum wage. And they, they can do that or sit at home and stack shelves. So realistically, unless you plan to rise up, that creates issues. Mm. So people are going to want to do an easier job. And going back to the 9.3 million people who could not could be working because some of them are poorly, but might be working, uh, we've lost a huge, that's the biggest number ever. Yeah. Um, people are staying in education longer, they're retiring earlier, they're wealthier. So it'll sort itself out. These things always do, market forces. Yeah, it'll sort of look very different in 10 years' time. It always has that cyclical effect, doesn't it? It does. Um, so... So you're selling the hotel. So, oh, yeah. so, so talk talk me through why why now? Uh, what's sort of brought you to the point where you'd like to sell? Was that that was there a sort of five year plan in place before, or how, what's the, the thinking there? As I mentioned, the name Duncan Duncan brought the deal to me as an investment on the basis that he was going to run it, uh, get planning, and I could buy it out at the end or not buy it out at the end, um, and. Um, we got the planning. Mm-hmm. We've made it a thing. I've done the journey from 52 to 78% occupancy. Uh, and as much as I've enjoyed it, it's been very hard work. I mentioned earlier being a long way away. I've been sucked in far more than I should have been neglecting my other children and my children. Um, so uh, my my time is done. I've enjoyed it. I'll always have been a custodian of Burr Island. Um, but I'm getting on now, very, very old. Um, and I'd rather not spend eight hours in a car once a week. Fair enough. That makes sense. So uh, as you sort of look back on it then as a, I know you're still, still, still doing it until, until a sale, but, um, what is your, what are your main reflections? How would you summarize it? If you were telling the story in five years time, how, what would you say about it? Just quickly before we moved on. It might be, I don't sell it Okay. because of course I might not get the money that I want. It's not for sale at any price. Yeah. It's only a sale at right price yes but uh if a few meat sales at the price i'll look back and, and i imagine all the people involved will have quite a lot of pride um in that we took something that was falling apart we put it back together we told the world about it uh and it's full and um and i'll i'll enjoy the light that is shone on me through its success probably Fantastic. Well, uh, that, I think that brings me through to my uh, my final question here. So um, every week now we uh, we have a, a question ready for you that was left by the previous podcast guest. Um, and this week's question from Neil Taylor, who's a general manager at Yotel Glasgow, said, uh, what is something you would change about the industry that is generally accepted? Um, I think I'll go refer back to one of my previous answers and say we need to concentrate on training um our staff fantastic uh and uh to keep the tradition going um what would your question to the, your the, the next, next guest be yes well assuming that he is also a hotel owner or she i beg your pardon is a hotel owner um i would ask what are the parameters will make you decide to purchase a, a hotel or not fantastic uh giles it's been great speaking with you today thank you very much it's been a lot of fun thank you Thanks for listening to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. 
If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk.